A.M. Afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots of things. We're into the uh, full trade week this week. Uh, lots of things happening within the markets that obviously we're going to keep a close eye on. And that's everything that continues to happen with Ukraine. We'll look at a thought I hadn't even thought about till Todd joins us today is about will they be able to get these crops planted? We'll look at the weather not only here in the U.S. but abroad. Uh, final crop insurance averages came out this afternoon. We actually will have some good news to share with our listeners in that regard. We'll, of course, hit a bunch of other things happening within these markets today as Todd Holtman joins us with DTN. And Todd, you know, last week as we saw, Ukraine definitely was a market mover, market anything happening whether it was going up or down it definitely had a strong influence and over the weekend i think a lot of folks were hoping that we would have seen some sort of resolve not that kumbaya was going to be sung between the two but at least to see something good happen and as you see in the way the markets traded today that that's not an option yeah well i will say if something good did happen susan i think it's the news that the ukrainian people are uh, holding up fairly well there's for the most part, fending off the Russian assault. And uh, they're starting to get more support from Europe and, and more money and weapons are flowing in to help the Ukrainian people. So on, on that level, I think it's certainly good news. On the other hand, as far as markets are concerned, we could be in for a long time of fighting. And it's, it's just very difficult to tell, um, what again, what Mr. Putin has in mind uh, with all this, how far he wants to take it how much of the consequences he wants to suffer because he's up against some very stiff sanctions uh, that are going to cripple the, the Russian economy and already straining the economy uh, even just this weekend. So, so many unknowns around this issue. And, of course, Ukraine and the Black Sea region is one of the world's most important food regions. So all has a big impact on our crude and energy markets. When you heard that they closed the ports as fast as they closed them last week, did that come as a surprise to you? And then the talk about getting the grain out of there before the ports closed. Yeah, well, to be honest, the surprise to me was that the uh, Russian attack encompassed the entire country. You know, we were kind of led to believe or or <laughs> uh, that Russia was just interested in that eastern part where the Russian citizens live in Ukraine. And that turned out to be a big bluff. Uh, and, and so, you know, the early thought was, well, if they can, Ukraine can maintain their supplies in the western part of their country, they can still ship out of Odessa and those ports, uh, around Odessa. But that did not turn out to be the case. The entire country is under attack. As you say, all the ports are closed. And, uh, it's hard to say for how long. Let's talk about these crops. I hadn't even thought about this year's planting for them yet and what this was all going to mean. What are you hearing from your sources, and is there some nervousness about getting these crops in the ground for them? Yeah, well, I'll I'll fess up. I do not have any direct uh, on-the-ground sources in Ukraine, and certainly not at this time. A lot of information is going to flow out. But uh, here we are getting ready uh, to come to March, and uh, so planting season is not that far away. We're starting to feel some warmer temperatures here in the western Midwest. And you just have to think about if this uh, conflict uh, wears on and on, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just a one-weekend wonder. It's hard to say how long this is going to go. And then if there's fighting, obviously, the, you know, does planning get done under those conditions? Or even if Russia finally prevails and they op- occupy the country with Russian soldiers, 
is that the type of environment where planning gets done? So, so many unknowns. It, it's really hard to say, but we do have to say that production is at risk this year. Do you know what the breakdown is, Todd, on, on the amount of exports that come out of Ukraine and even that part of Russia that go globally? Uh, <laughs> yes, off the top of my head, that's a little tricky. But I will say uh, Ukraine is the fourth largest exporter of both corn and wheat in the world. They are the world's leading exporter of sunflower oil. Uh, and in another way of putting that, they are the third largest exporter of a vegetable oil source, which for them is sunflower. So we're in the situation the last couple of years, we've had tight world oil vegetable supplies. So that certainly plays into that. That's influencing our soybean oil price higher uh, today and really for the past couple months. And uh, everybody knows wheat is an important crop out of the Black Sea, but as is corn. I mean, uh, Ukraine basically was the primarily competitor we had for going after China's business, and, and Ukraine got a lot of the recent sales from China. Well, you know, and you look at it from a, from a wheat perspective, and we know that everything that was happening before this invasion and, and looking at the struggles we're having with the wheat crop here, there was a lot of pressure on this wheat commodity globally to try to compete. Yes, absolutely. Not only did we have tough production uh, problems here in North America in 2021, but Russia's production was also down. World supplies in general uh, were at their lowest level in several years. And uh, so, you know, to to have this event now hit uh, what could be a second year of limited production on that just makes the world wheat situation an extremely, I should say possibly, an extremely uh, very tight situation uh, in the year ahead. And, of course, that's what part of what has wheat excited today. Well, I was going to say, definitely. Are you, are you nervous about uh, the, the growing conditions of U.S. wheat at this point? And I should say winter wheat at this point. Uh, yes, absolutely, especially the hard red winter crop. Uh, you know, th- that whole Texas panhandle and surrounding region has extreme drought on the map, and uh, we have not really had any good rains for a long, long time. Now, there is some rain in the forecast uh, for next week, and uh, but <laughs> you can't always hang your hat on those second-week forecasts. That can be tricky sometimes. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we will continue with the second half here in just a moment. It is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Lots of interesting factors kind of weaving into what we've seen in the trade today. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extendiflex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about Extendiflex soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Todd Holtman. Todd, of course, with DTN. And we left off talking about the weather factors and things that you were seeing in this, in this winter wheat crop and the spring wheat crop as well. Let's just add another layer. It's dry. And there's guys in the south that are getting ready to get those planters in the fields for corn and beans. It's just going to make for a very interesting spring planting if we don't get some timely moisture for them. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be tough in that regard, Susan. And uh, part of that dry pattern in the southwestern plains is part of the La Nina influence, and that's expected to continue at least a few more months, maybe longer depending on which model uh, you look at. So that certainly isn't good there. I will say on the eastern side of the Mississippi River, they've had much more moisture. They're in uh, much better shape, except around the Ohio River Valley. Our uh, uh, meteorologist, Bryce Anderson, wrote this weekend for us. He took a little time off of the retirement to write for us and uh, mentioned that there is a spring flooding risk along the Ohio River Valley this year. They've had so much moisture. Well, it'd be nice if they would share it with the Western Corn Belt. (laughs) But having... Having said that, we did see some final crop insurance uh, averages get released this afternoon, and and you're saying that's some good news, at least for our grain producers. Yeah, I have to say, in this year where we have a lot of uncertainty, you know, we we have corn and bean prices at their highest levels in eight or nine years. We have a lot of uncertainty about what might happen in the season ahead with Ukraine, and of course we have these high fertilizer bills uh, that are going to really be tough uh, in the planting season. At least we're getting uh, some very attractive crop insurance levels to help provide a good safety net and give producers good peace of mind to get out there and go ahead and plant uh, the best they can. So the corn average today for the month of February came out at $5.90. The soybeans are $14.33. And the spring wheat came out at $9.19. I think when producers look at that and they look, even if they look at an 80% coverage option on their crop insurance, they're going to find uh, crop insurance protection levels fairly close uh, to their break-even cost this year. So that, that, I think that's very encouraging news. And our whole economy is going to need that production. You know, we're fighting inflationary pressures, and the real answer to that is to work more and to produce more. And so we're, we're going to need that production this year. What about production ethanol-wise? I mean, it's been on the tighter side. Are we going to see, hopefully, an increase in push for ethanol, especially as we see fuel prices jump? And you've got the Ag Secretary even talking about year-round E15. Yeah, I have to say, even though right now we have uh, almost a two-year high in the ethanol inventory, so we've had a little slowdown of demand, but that's not uncommon for this time of year. Uh, some of the other things that are encouraging about ethanol is that our production level is still up 11% from a year ago. We're still on a very high pace for the season uh, that we're in for ethanol. So that corn demands continued to do real well. And right now, the, the ethanol price is actually fairly cheap and related to unleaded gasoline. So it's been a very attractive component to keep mixing in uh, that gasoline. So I think there's going to continue to be good support for ethanol in the season ahead. Look at South America. What are you hearing on, on crop progress for them and getting this safrina corn crop in the ground? Yeah, so uh, their Brazil soybean harvest uh, was reported 44% finished as of late last week. And, uh, of course, we need that out of the field so we can plant the second corn crop uh, right behind it. Uh, so they're getting close to the halfway mark on uh, that progress. Obviously, the concerning spot has been southern Brazil, where conditions have been very dry earlier this year. There is some rain in the forecast uh, for the week and possibly two weeks ahead for southern Brazil. So that uh, gives a little bit of help that's going to be needed for this second corn crop. In uh, Argentina, the the crop rains just have not done well. They're not coming up. They haven't responded really. 
very much to recent rains, uh, but there is more rain in the forecast. Uh, not only did we get some over the weekend, we also uh, expect more later this week and into next weekend. So Argentina still has a chance uh, to bounce back uh, somewhat, but it's it's been a very, very tough year for South America. I saw China was back in the market again today making some purchases. So that's kind of nice to see some bean numbers coming from them. Yes, and uh, of course the the motivation there has been with the lower South American production. Now they're concerned about uh, the soybeans they're going to need once they get through Brazil's production this year. And so they've become more aggressive buyers uh, of our uh, new crop soybeans. And so we saw another 5 million billion five million bushel purchase from them uh, today. All right, Todd. What's the best way for folks to get hold of you? Oh, my email is always the best. Uh, my name, Todd.Holtman at DTN.com. All right. Make sure you check it out. Any questions you have from today, feel free to reach out to Todd. And, of course, thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you very much, Susan. My pleasure. As a reminder to folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that aren't suitable to all investors. That's been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com and wherever you subscribe. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. <laughs>